the Blue Bomber Podcast. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Je m'appelle Greg. He is Derek Taylor, the voice of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is not bad, eh? TT, little culture to the Blue Bomber podcast. Well, you know what? I just used up basically uh, 4% of all my French words. So we should probably not try (laughs) and go down that route. And, uh, well, how would you even say that en Francais? Uh, You know what? Does not matter. Uh, DT, I had contemplated just going to Kyle Milroy, who so capably puts this podcast together on the technical side every week and go, you know what, Kyle, why don't you just post the sounds of the game from Saturday? Because they pretty much speak for themselves. 51 to six, an absolutely dominating performance. We can talk all we want about six touchdowns and six possessions in the first half, but how about that defense DT 17 quarters of football and they've only allowed a touchdown in one of them. Right. It's uh, it's impressive. And and to think that, oh, by the way, that also resides along the league's best offense. That's that's why I said in the postgame show that if you if every team is playing at their 100 percent best game, uh, Winnipeg wins the Grey Cup like Toronto. Excellent. 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 And obviously the reigning Grey Cup champions, B.C., excellent football team. But I think playing at their top level. Winnipeg wins the Grey Cup. Now, will you be playing at your top level in the playoffs becomes a whole other thing. But uh, we we just saw it in this one. The the stat we dropped during the broadcast, five highest scoring games in the in the CFL this season. Single team scoring games uh, this season are all bombers. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Montreal can't get any touchdowns to get them. Saskatchewan, no touchdowns for you. It's uh, BC. Remember when you beat us back in week three? Uh, take this, and they put fifty on them. Like they just have defense, offense, kicker, punter. Uh, punter's pretty good. Kicker's fantastic. The Bombers have everything, but man, yeah, that that fully constituted defense. I've I've been kind of everywhere in this little, little ramble here. That fully constituted defense when they're not taking unnecessary risks. Man, fantastic. Yeah, I would agree with you and uh, just kind of rounding into form now. And a couple of players I'm going to ask you about in a moment here. I also want to approach the notion that the rest of the Canadian Football League wants to phone either the Saskatchewan Rough Riders head office or maybe, you know, direct to Pete Robertson and go, what the hell did you just do? Have you like awoken, not that they were sleeping, but they might've been maybe cruising through this regular season with the idea of peaking in later October, early November. Like now all of a sudden, I think you have a Winnipeg and you're around them far more often than I am. But I just got the sense when we were talking in the pregame show on Saturday said, I just get the sense that the blue bombers are angry, they're perturbed, and they feel like they have something to prove. And boy, did they do that. Is there any truth to any of the words that just came out of my mouth, except for the last thing, which is perfectly obvious when the score is 51 to 6? Most times I don't really buy into stuff like that. I just feel like games are random collections of events and and plays. But 
when you think back to what practice looked like on Wednesday of this past week, Kenny Lawler was furious with Winston Rose, screaming across the field, 50 yard, just just yelling at every just yelling at everybody, mad at the world. Uh very next play after after Kenny and Winston Rose. Uh, Winston kind of calms it down. Uh, Winston was never particularly aggressive in that, but Kenny was 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 yelling. Uh, next play, Nick Dembski up the seam, catch the pass, gets up and just hammer spikes the ball into the ground. Like, whoa, there's some frustration from Nick. Then he grabs it and trots back to the huddle. You go, oh, something's something's up here. This this is just different. The drills they were doing from the coaches. Like, some of this is kind of back to CFL basics, not like you know up downs that you and I would have done in high school, but like kind of back to CFL basics. And you go. This is a different practice than we normally see. And this is a, a different temperament than we normally see. My interpretation of that was, oh, they are not happy with overtime loss to Saskatchewan. I didn't I didn't know what it would portend, right? Like six in six and 51 points. And oh, by the way, you only get six. <laughs> but this was just a different week. So most times I don't buy that. But this week there was something else I think in the guys that uh, that led to this. I don't know if you could have predicted it. I I told my friends to bet the the uh, Jake Dolagala unders, um, but that was that was next level. The way the team came out, and I gotta I tip my hat to Buck Pierce and to Richie Hall as often as I can, because this team and their and their coordinators are on a par and on a level uh, that you, you seldom see in an organization. You might see it for one year. You might see it for two. But Buck Pierce has just come in and, and taken Paul Lapolis's vision for this Blue Bomber office, uh, offense and put it on high octane and, and done something extra special. And Richie Hall just seems to play whatever cards are, are dealt. But I absolutely loved the way the Blue Bombers started that game, they established the run with Brady Oliveira. They threw the ball to Brady out of the backfield. There were no home run throws until later on in the game. They just went out and did their business, went about their business in a way that just spoke so eloquently to me that this team was just out like it was a business trip Saturday afternoon. Yeah, the first I remember looking at the at it, and I didn't. It didn't come into the conversation Doug and I were having during the game, but there was a point where Brady had five carries and Zach had five throws, and obviously Zach had a scramble, but Zach had five or six dropbacks. They had five or six running back carries, and the yards were pretty even on those. And you go, oh, okay, I, I, people will like this that they they've got both going because sometimes it's only one of them, right? Sometimes. The run game isn't going. Sometimes the pass game isn't going. The West Final last year, the pass game was not going. Brady puts the team on his back. Other times, it's been it's been the reverse of uh, Zach just firing all, missiles all over the place, and and they don't need anything else. Uh, this one, it was it was a little bit of everything. And Saskatchewan tried to stop something, and they just they just could not. And then when they needed it, okay, well. Dalton Jones ripping down the field, and there goes uh, late in late in the half. They run like, oh, let's let's run the ball with with Brady and kill some clock, and then we'll see what we do on second down. And second down was deep to Lawler down the rail on the left hand side as he runs past Nick Marshall, and you go, oh, okay, well that's going to be good because they're on like the eight yard line now. This is 
This is just everything. Quarterback sneak game was working. Dalton Schoen got a jet sweep among all the guys who got jet sweeps this season. They got Dalton one finally. Man, um, one thing, remember what we're in week 14, so approaching week 15. Remember about week four where you and I were on here going, what is wrong with this offensive line? Is everybody old now? We have not done that in a long time. No, That offensive not. line is killing it right now. Yeah, they really are. And so uh, that brings me to back to Brady uh, and that Zach mm. Kolaris run, that 11-yard run, by the way, was a statement in my mind within itself from Zach. Interesting. It's something that... Why so? How so? We just don't see him do that very often. Even when there is an opportunity for him to run, he will be looking pass, pass, pass till the last possible second. And doesn't really, I just felt as though he really wanted that. And to run for a first down and to jump up the way he did. And then Saskatchewan player tries to jump over him. Hits him in the head, of course, as he's jumping over him by accident. Certainly not purposeful. I just I just felt a, a purpose, a, an exclamation mark at the end of that run. Like I do just about every single time Brady carries the ball. 1,144 yards rushing in 13 games. He's just added 368 yards receiving. And this is just a a, a guy I feel is just now coming into his own. And the conversation was started to a great extent on the TSN broadcast on Saturday. I was watching the game on Sunday morning because how could you not watch that back as many times as you possibly could? And I think it was Glenn Suter, and then at halftime, you know, Milt Stegall's having this discussion. I brought it up with Bob Irving yesterday morning. Ted Wyman mm. in the Winnipeg Sun. Is now Brady Oliveira in the conversation? In the conversation, nobody's saying that he's the leading candidate, but does he not deserve to be in the conversation for most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League thus far in 2023? Uh, do you want me to talk generally about it, or do you want my opinion on it? Well, I want your take on it. What do you think? I don't think so. I uh, Brady's awesome, but this is this is still the Canadian Football League, the Canadian Throwing League, and Zach Kalaris. I put this stat on on, on Twitter, and, and folks, if you would follow me at DT on OB, uh, Zach Kalaris last season when he was the most outstanding player, uh, thirty-seven touchdowns and thirteen interceptions and nine point six yards per attempt. This season, over thirteen games, his pace is. 37 touchdowns, so same number as last year when we were like, oh, my God, this guy's unbelievable. 14 interceptions, so one more than last year, and 10.6 yards per attempt, which is a full yard more than last year. And in a league where the average, basically two yards per attempt over the league average, which is an unbelievable number. 20%. It's actually, it's almost close to 25% more than the league average. Yeah, exactly. And last year, uh, remember how great Nathan Rourke, it felt like Nathan Rourke was last year? Zach's exceeding him in in all these categories from last season, from what Rourke was uh, on pace for. Rourke had 10.2 yards per attempt. Zach in this offense is 10.6. So Kolaris is better than last year. And people, we remember, people, people tire of voting for guys three years in a row right the nba this season was well we can't have nikola Jokic as the the mvp because he's not larry bird and larry bird was the last guy to win three mvps and i look at that and go i i don't care what happened last year and the year before what's happening this year zach's numbers are incredible uh his team is 10 and 3 and he's the driving force behind it 
Um, obviously, they're they're incredibly talented, and other quarterbacks in this spot. If Vernon Adams was the quarterback of the of the Bombers, we may be having the Vernon Adams conversation. Uh, but I I I trying to think if I get a vote for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers one, or if the team nominates it, and then then I get to vote after that. Anyway, I would be on uh, Zach Kalars, and then. One of the parts I went back because of this conversation, I went back and went, okay, well, who were the running back MOPs in the last however long? Uh, the last one was John Cornish. And when you say John Cornish to a CFL fan, oh, 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 yeah. John Cornish, the year he was MOP, was over 1,800 yards rushing, yep. seven yards per attempt. Oh, Okay, that's 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 really good. Before that, it was the year Mike Pringle was over two thousand yards. So, I think those to me are accurate examples of what you have to be at the running back position to be the most outstanding player, to be more valuable than a quarterback, because it's still it's still football in my mind. So, Brady's on pace for fifteen and some, sixteen and some. He's added in some receiving as well, uh, but it's still. It's still a quarterback league, and when you have a quarterback on your team who is just the straw that's stirs the drink, I it's all about who gets the nomination. But for for me at this moment, after you know game thirteen, it's still it's for me Zach Kalars would be the MLP of this team. Uh, Brady Oliveira, I don't know who's in the race with him for most outstanding Canadian in the league. Um, Matthew Betts, who leads the league in sacks, I believe, still. But uh, to me, to me, it's Zach for all those reasons. I'd have a hard time saying you didn't convince me, especially when you throw in the fact that Zach missed the better part of a full game against Edmonton, and mm-hmm. then with three minutes left on Labor Day, I think he had five yards passing in the first half, the first twenty-seven minutes. So he almost missed another half of football there theoretically. Yeah. And so when those numbers start adding up, I just, you know, and you and I are, are could be president and co-president of the Nick Dembski fan club. And mm. so typically you mm-hmm. and I need to be talked out of voting for Nip, Nick Dembski, best Canadian and associated to a variety of different things, whether it's the club or, or around the league. But it's just, you know, Brady's just, I think Brady deserves his due here. And it'll be fascinating to see what happens down the stretch here. Because I think his numbers only get bigger from here in terms of, uh, you know, yards per game. And and so that extrapolation, I think that number ends up being maybe a little bit higher than than that 1,500 something. It might be in the 1,600 uh, range as we, you know, head toward the the colder weather. Uh, You you mentioned the fact that there weren't too many concerns, uh, that the kickoff coverage was a little bit better. But (laughs) last year, if we were doing this podcast right now, we'd still be probably talking about Mark Legio as the only obvious hole in the Blue Bomber lineup. Is there anything that's perfectly obvious right now as we sit here with the Blue Bombers at, at, at 10 and 3, five games left in the regular season? They're going to Hamilton Saturday. I don't know what you expect there. Then the bye week. And then uh, the game of games for this season, at least so far, and that's uh, Toronto coming in on the on the 29th. Is there a fear or a concern that the Blue Bombers look ahead, not only to the 29th versus Toronto, but that bye week as well? My so my fear for 
what keeps the Bombers from winning the Grey Cup this season? It's going to be big plays against is, is going to be my fear. And those, I mean, when you watch football, those sometimes happen and they sometimes don't happen, right? They had, pardon me, absolutely did not happen in this last game. And they haven't happened against the Bombers in a while. And they're excellent at preventing the big play, but it's always there in my mind of, Okay, well, remember remember those guys who were running open behind Demario Houston? He, oh, we kind of jumped on that one, and and who was it, Emelis or whoever, Jones took it for 64 yards in the SAS game. Oh, they got in behind on that. Oh, boy, okay. Uh, oh, uh, who was Dedrick Mills took the opening carry of the Calgary game for 33 yards. Oh, okay, oh, boy. So I, I'm concerned about variant, honestly, which is, I, I think probably is negated a little bit by the fact that they are back to being fully healthy in this one but the the big play is just all always the one that will will concern me and and then we've seen randomly is random games where the offense the first half against sass that you mentioned they could not produce at, at all in that first half uh the entire game week three against bc ooh, they didn't do anything in that game the offense and the defense had 30 hung on it oh boy uh what's happening here there variance is what I guess what concerns me, which uh, I I don't know that that's honestly much to be concerned about, but it's that that little nagging worry, like did I turn off the stove before I left the house? Right, you're pretty sure you turned off the <laughs> stove, but it just sits there in, in one part of your stomach, going, oh man, if I didn't turn off the stove, I'm gonna burn the house down. Oh man, if they get hit by the deep ball, they're not gonna win the Grey Cup. Just it's it's that level of. I almost want to say nonsense because it's myself we're talking about, but that's that's my only concern because frankly it's the number one scoring offense and the number one scoring defense in the Canadian Football League. What what what, what am I concerned about? But it, it's you know what I mean, Gback. It's just it's just there. No, I I get you hundred percent. I wish I had ten dollars for every time Laura N. McNabb told me that she was turning around going back home to make sure she'd closed her garage. You know, in there the you go. The night, exactly on the way to work, and so I get that. I have walked back to my car after parking it at a Jets or a Bombers game. I'm not sure I locked it, so I get exactly the analogy that you're bringing here. And so there are those nagging things, and I think the only thing that will cure that will be some recency recency bias as we make our way through these next five games to see if the Blue Bombers can get rid of those habits. But I think even then, was when you examine the entire body of work, even if the Bombers over the next five games manage to kind of shove that problem aside, I think it'll still be in the back of your mind and in the back of yours. I've got two names Absolutely. on defense that I want to bring up to you. And... We talk about the star players all the time. We've spoken about Zach Brady. We've got Nick's name in there. Oh, yeah. Dalton Schoen had three touchdowns on Saturday. Uh, Kenny oh, Lawler, by the way, <laughs> by the way just threw in, you know what? He's up to 10 now on the season. A guy who hmm, some of us have suggested is somewhat struggling this season versus last year. Like, come on. That, say, how ridiculous is slump? that? Ten weeks ago, weren't you saying sophomore slump when he was number two in the league in receiving? Wasn't it? Oh, just in terms of was the, that us? I forget. Yeah, that was the expectation we had set from him, right? Because in Sasky had a couple yeah. drops, and he's had a few drops this year, and he would admit that his body language after those, you know, when a guy says, "Yeah, I know, I should have had that," versus a guy who who kind of says, "Ah, yeah, well, that was uh, overthrown anyway." Thanks a lot, Zach. You don't ever see that from eighty three or eighty nine or eighty eight no. or any of these players. There's, there's such a continuity there, but you know, the star guys 
we can talk about endlessly, but I want to um, drop a, two names. First, I'm going to start with a guy who has really impressed me over the last three weeks in particular, Retta Cramdy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this game, uh, I, I asked him in the postgame show about his sack, and he's like, well, the first one got taken away by, and the second one got taken away by, or the second one they gave to this guy, and the third one, okay, the third one I finally got. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, Cramney was all over the quarterbacks, and some of those uh, those aren't necessarily uh, he's first pressure and bringing the guy down. Some of them are, you know, cleanups and pursuits and stuff like that, but uh, he was all over one, and then, oh, man, he tracked Jamal Morrow out of the mm-hmm. backfield, and it's it's one of those ones, right, when you're calling play-by-play uh, this this might be just me. I don't hear a lot of that guy's doing it, but I just, I just start laughing. Like, <laughs> like he just absolutely popped Jamal Morrow. You go, whoa. Ooh, I know what the hit of the game for Vernas Autobody is. That was unbelievable. That was awesome. Like he's that's such a that's such a strange kind of story of the bombers last year decide Donald Rutledge isn't good enough at that dime defensive back spot. So they trade for Alden Darby. They trade a pass rusher for Alden Darby which uh, Bomber fans, uh, you know, a lot of them want another pass rusher in the rotation. They trade a pass rusher for Alden Darby. Darby starts, and then all of a sudden, Darby doesn't start. He Cramdy was going to uh, replace him. Cramdy got injured, so Darby kept starting. Cramdy took over the starting spot, and then eventually Darby got knocked back to the six-game injured list because they wanted someone else on. You go, what's, what's the story behind this that we're never going to find out about because the Bombers keep everything secret but yeah Cramdy is flying all over the place and you know it, it just it gives them to have a Canadian in that spot gives them extra flexibility and to to have Cramdy you know deemed worthy of, of taking that spot from you know a coaching staff it's not fooling around and not just given you know randomly handing out a job because he's Canadian That's, it's a real testament to him there's been some struggles sure but uh in yeah, the last three games in particular, he's DT, he's really stood out yeah. for me and stood out because we haven't used his name a lot in terms of, oh boy, um, he got burnt there or he he uh, didn't make a play uh, on that other play. And, and even some stunts where he and 37, Brandon Alexander, will swap spots and uh, and and uh, BA will go in on the safety blitz and Cranby seems to handle that assignment, which is just just bonkers to me the way the Blue Bombers will drop four uh, into coverage, uh, Adam Big Hill or 94, Jackson Jeffcoat into coverage sometimes to just give defenses these crazy looks and go, is Willie Jefferson just covering our primary <laughs> slot receiver? Yeah, I have to look at the film, but I'm pretty sure he was. And that's just some of the you things know- that these athletes can do on the Blue Bomber defense. Uh, Richie Hall, if you are listening to the podcast, and I know you do, can can we get more Jackson Jeffcoat dropping in coverage? Because yes, that please. makes Doug Brown say the he said Doug Brown says the phrase zone dog. I'm like, oh my god, I lo- I don't I don't know why I love when Doug says zone dog. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. Now there's a, a third name that's just popped up for me, and so. On conse- in consecutive games, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's had a sack taken away because his his arm accidentally hit the quarterback's head. Nothing malicious. Ricky, Ricky Walker. Walker. You know, he already has four sacks, could have six, seven sacks this season. I'm certain he's had two taken away, uh, you know, one on consecutive weeks here. What does Ricky Walker bring to this team? 
Well, the the one this week, he he very clearly face masked Jake Tolagala, right? It was the play number three, and yeah, he gets him across the face, and he went, oh. I honestly was concerned when I saw that. I'm like, oh, is this going to start a fight? Like, because this was this game was heated on Labor Day, on Labor Day Sunday, but uh, yeah, Walker just kind of you know, turns Dolagala's ha- helmet, you know, a quarter turn and uh, tightens it up for him, I guess, a little bit or whatever that was. I just uh, didn't see that as malicious. I saw that as no, him no, not at all, with his arm up in Agreed. the air and following through. Ex- ex- I'm with you exactly. Okay, I was good, just a, good, good. I was just concerned that. When you get the quarterback in the face, well, this is what everybody was talking about last week, quarterbacks and heads and stuff like this. Um, Ricky, I mean, that's been such a, a spot of concern for us, right, from Steven Richardson to Casey Sales to now Ricky Walker. And in the beginning of the season, it, it didn't feel like it was going particularly well, right? There didn't feel like a lot of interior pressure was being generated uh, by this defense. But Jackson Jeffcoat gets back and... Uh, now everything, Jeffcoat's health this season has been fantastic, but Jake Thomas, doesn't he have five sacks? And and Ricky Walker is in there taking his reps. And I mean, they're only rotating six defensive linemen, uh, six and a half essentially, but, you know, normally seven or eight defensive linemen, they're they're rolling with six and plus Damian Jackson. You go, wow, they're, these guys are really doing it. Like they're not getting a ton of snaps off for all these four and five man fronts that they run. So that's an even further testament to your point of, of what Ricky Walker's been able to do, eating up all these snaps and and eating up all these quarterbacks. It's been it's been very good to see. Um I don't I wouldn't necessarily I was gonna qualify it by saying I wouldn't necessarily count Ricky among the, the best defensive tackles in the league, but he's doing he's doing exactly I think feel like he's doing exactly what his job is for these bombers and it's to, you know, generate some pressure and get some sacks and cause some havoc. Yeah, that's what I expected you to say. I mean, the, the, I'm not trying to list off the candidates for most outstanding defensive player, but just guys that, you know, once again, the blue bombers seem to have this knack for finding the next guy and having the next guy available uh, when things don't necessarily go as planned, whether it be injuries or, or maybe, you know, the whole idea of, of, of uh, Darby not working out the way they want them to. Okay. Third name on the defense. And you probably aren't going to be surprised when I mention Evan Holm, this guy, yeah. what a find. And you know how I feel about the blue bombers mining Manitoba and making sure that the best Manitoba players don't play anywhere else. Well, this is the next best thing in my mind. It's a guy from Minnesota who played at North Dakota, and he's just, I I don't know, he just impresses me more and more every single game. Convince me otherwise. No, I I refuse to. (laughs) I mean, well, he's not got many interceptions, Greg, but man. um, (laughs) He could have three times as many as he's got. I think he's got one, and he could have four or five. And, well, as I always say, there's a reason why that guy's a DB and not a receiver, because he's just not very good at catching footballs. (laughs) But he's good at tracking receivers, and, man, he moves well. And, you know, wow, why is nobody else on this guy? This is... This is pretty great. He he was in a battle for that halfback spot in training camp with Jamal Parker. Eventually, Parker's injury decided it, but Evan Holmes not going anywhere now, right? He's got to be. I don't have the, the week 14 numbers in front of me. He's got to be top or second in pass knockdowns this season with Willie Jefferson up there super high. And yeah, he just, when you see him, just, you know, it's all very calm. 
with with Evan Holm. It's not like a a panic to get back to the football. He he moves smooth as an athlete, but think of uh, BC game and he's going up against six foot five Justin McKinnis. Oh, the ball's up high. Run, run, leap, swat, done. And it just it's just calm and it's not high. It doesn't feel like high intensity. It doesn't feel like high energy. It doesn't feel super electric. But you're like, man, this guy is just all over everybody. And then at some point, someone's going to be able to have the conversation. I don't know. It, it, it's it's nah. I'm not even gonna. It, it good. It's just incredible to see Evan Holm uh, uh, doing this. And to, I think you and I have talked about this before, GMAC, to be able to get significant contributions from rookie and minimum salary players is is what's required to, to win the Grey Cup because you have so many stars eating up so much of the cap that you need star-like performances on, in certain games and certain seasons from your minimum salary players. And, and Evan Holm, Maybe not star level, but uh, he he's outplaying his salary. Let's say that. I think that's very well said, and uh, a guy that I think is going to be on the you know on the on the pencil tip of a lot of guys who vote for the uh, All Star teams because he's just been simply outstanding, and just once again another one of these guys that goes about his business in a certain way. And there's just not a lot of flash, but when you need him to do a job. You mentioned, you know, leaping up in, in front of receivers. He's at the 5'10", 5'11". I'd like to know what his yep. vertical jump is. I don't have his uh, <laughs> his numbers here from his combine, but uh, let's be honest. The guy is a heck of an athlete, and that's why I don't like the conversation uh, about who should be back uh, returning punts. And, uh, you know, Jamal Parker, catch the ball, dude. Uh, Paul Bennett did it for... 37 years in the CFL and just catch the ball, get me eight, nine yards, run straight ahead. I don't need anything other than that. I don't need you to give up goofy rouges and I don't need you to fumble the ball. We can deal with everything else. Just, just go straight ahead. You get as much as you get. And there was a conversation about maybe putting home back there. I'm like, no, I don't want him back there because I want him concentrating on this job, a job that he's doing very, very well. Yeah, he, he really is. I, I'm with you in that in in this era of football, I, I think you need somebody who's contributing less regularly on defense back back holding down your returns. Um, gosh, Sask, who did they use in returns? Alford, who has a tiny role on offense, and Bertrand Houdon, who had a small role on offense. Everybody else, everybody goes to full time returner and part time contributor somewhere else. So yeah, no, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Um, when it comes to all-star time, it's going to be interesting because uh, Dietrich Nichols, though he doesn't appear, I guess he's the number tied for three at third in knockdowns in the CFL. Dietrich Nichols is a slam dunk all-star in the West. Um, you then have Evan Holm has to compete with uh, uh, guys like TJ Lee in BC, and that's going to be, I wonder, and then you get to compete with voters who might think, wow, he's too young, can't, can't give it to him over a veteran. But uh, there's not a lot of uh, competition, I would think, at halfback in the West. So Evan Holmes gonna Evan Holmes gonna get some love, I think for sure. It might be tough to overcome veterans, and please nobody miss out the fact that Dietrich Nichols is the best halfback in the CFL, even though he's only got one interception. Um, that's a good, Holmes, that's a good thing, folks. That's because quarterbacks don't like to throw at him, and I know we what, sort of harp on that, but but that's that's plain and simply the case, and. 
And Nichols, when he has to tackle a guy, doesn't miss an open field tackle. No, he he absolutely does not. And you you'd be surprised. There are at least two occasions where I was doing in the pregame show. Uh, we do a hell of a play, right? And it was just it's just a play from the previous game. And I I go to the guy and he talks about you know what he what he saw, smelt, felt, whatever it was that that led to that play. And there are a couple times where guys have said, well, I mean that was that happened because Dietrich did this. I'm like really, you're really uh, Demario Houston, your amazing interception against Calgary. Uh, wouldn't have happened without Dietrich Nichols cutting a guy. Oh, interesting. Oh, cutting a guy off. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Well, I I have no ability to see that myself as a football fan, but I'm gonna take your word for it because you know the game 15 times better than I do. So there's there's a lot of times where it's just it's just very quiet with Dietrich, right? Um, and just you just as a, as a person covering the team, you just hope that everybody else in the league kind of understands. Oh yeah, by the way, Dietrich Nichols is. He's one of the straws. There's a lot of straws in a defense, and Dietrich Nichols is one of them. Okay, we have to ask you about a straw that hasn't been stirring the proverbial special teams drink, and that's Janarian Grant. The gentleman had the Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup last November in Saskatchewan. Might have been the outstanding player in the game, DT? Um, yeah, that was, right? that was the right time and the right, right. play. And who, who else would it have been? Um at this moment, without going back to the stat page for it, I'm gonna say, yeah, like that was an. That's enormous, a reasonable assertion on my play. part. I I think it's I think it's good. Well, I think Chad I Kelly. Like, I think Chad Kelly should have been the outstanding player as well, based on his impact well, and the amount of plays that he played. But that's a discussion for another day, and hopefully, we're not having that discussion in December of 2023 over which Toronto Argonaut should have been the most outstanding player in the uh, 2023 Grey Cup in Hamilton. But Janarian Grant, how close is he? And once again, Jamal Parker doing a fine job, but he's not a difference maker. He's not a game breaker like Grant. And and that, I think, for Blue Bomber fans is maybe the only missing element, the only missing ingredient right now that makes you go, OMG, this, this team is as good as it's been in the last four seasons. So on Janarian, we saw him on the sidelines in, in this game, and he was never moving very freely. Um, he had returned to practice in that week where you're after your fifth game on the six game injury list, you could practice again. He returned to practice to do some running and it wasn't hard running, uh, but it was more than a, a, a jog. He was trying it out and then we didn't see him again. We didn't see him after week number six and the bombers put him back on the six game injured list. And when you watched him on the sidelines in this game, uh, he never really moved very quickly or he just walked around like when my when my wife is at the mall i mean i'm full of the metaphors today or similes today when my wife's at the mall i kind of just wander around the outside of the store while she's in aritzia or, or whatever store women shop at i i don't really about <laughs> plead ignorance on that but i just kind of wander around in a circle and never really doing too much that's where janarian was on the sidelines in this one so uh this is just a guess on my part but definitely not this week and I don't know about the Toronto game, which is now three weeks away. Um, by the end of the season, fingers crossed, yes. Uh, but I, I have no information other than I can't imagine it's this week against Hamilton. And Toronto is three weeks away. Mm, I hope so, but I'm I'm not going to bet any any sort of money on it. And 
you know, Janarian, I mean, there's the big play potential. We talked about variance, right, with how the Bombers and, and what I'm concerned about going forward. Return game is all about variance, right? I'm going to get nine yards or I'm going to get 102 yards in the Grey Cup. And I'm going to get one in the West Final. And I'm going to get the best play of the year in week two against Saskatchewan. That that conversation is already over on what's the play of the year in the CFL. It's uh, Janarian really helps... You know, in in certain games, he he tips the he tips the uh, he tips the scales absolutely. So and and then when he's not tipping the scales, he just does does good returning. There there aren't a lot of bad or, you know, negative plays. They're neutral or you know, slight pluses or mega pluses from Janarian. But yeah, I I as a Bomber fan, maybe cross your fingers for Toronto, but you know, be ready to have it pushed back a little bit. Okay, but the point is, he he will be back this year, in your estimation. I I would, again, strictly a guess, but yes. Yeah, that's strictly all I'm asking guess, for. Though. I'm not going to hold you to anything. I'm not putting a bounty on your uh, on your fine head of hair or anything like that. So um, yeah, yeah. So that my that, kinesiology non degree is the non, my, my pop kinesiology says yes. <laughs> he may be back this. He he. Will, We'll be back this year. Okay, good enough for us because you're the person that's around this team as as much as anybody. Uh, CFL trade deadline. I know this doesn't have the same sort of moniker and and hype that the NHL trade deadline programs and conversation has, but I mean, let's be honest: a trade deadline deal absolutely changed the fortunes of this franchise. Maybe for another two, three, four, five years. Who knows? when the Blue Bombers acquired Zach Kolaris in 2019, Doug Brown and I were were actually recording a podcast and we were lambasting the Blue Bombers at throwing away what felt like a, a reasonable opportunity to do something special in the playoffs that year. But without a quarterback, a genuine starting quarterback, that season was going to go down the tubes. We know what happened with about a minute to spare in that trade deadline. All that to ask, DT, is there anything cooking? Like, is there a, a, a place, and with the standings the way they are right now, you know, I think most teams have a sense, oh, boy, we just need to win two or three games in a row, and we're back in the conversation. If you're Hamilton, if you're Ottawa, if you're Edmonton even, you might be looking at the at the situation going, yeah, we're not going to get rid of anybody right now. Is there anybody that the Blue Bombers say Janarian Grant can't? come back is that where they would look to make a make a, a move perhaps oh that's a good question because who's going to want to give up a returner uh, Edmonton Calgary but there, I feel like there's guys like Floyd Allen and they probably don't want to give up a guy like Tommy Lee Lewis Sask not trading with the Bombers uh <laughs> could they uh could they could they get Dominic Rhymes from BC maybe could they trade for Dominic Rhymes and just just go all receivers all the time? Sure. Uh, no. um, Ottawa, Hamilton, no. You, you, Montreal, Montreal's in the playoffs and they look they could host a playoff game. I don't think so. There's where do the Bombers actually need help? Right, like Canadian offensive line depth, rock solid. Um, American offensive line, fine. Quarterback, if you lose Zach, the season's over, and that's the story for so many teams anyway. Receiver depth is fantastic. There are good receivers that can't even get on the roster. Hello, so Carlton Agadosi. Where are you, brother? Exactly. He's at practice working his butt off every day, but just can't get back on, right? Because it's that good. 
Um, defensive line, uh, Celeste and Haba's on the on the uh, practice roster. He's got mm. four sacks this season. I think right. it's, I think it's four. It might be my four. You know, four sacks where one was a, a narrow miss. Linebacker depth, defensive back, but what defensive back can you trade for? That's one better than the guy you have, and two can get it in the last six weeks. I, I mean, you're now talking. You'd have to be talking star, star level defensive backs that are very comfortable that you would be very comfortable with and have played for you before. So, short of like, short of DeAndre Alford coming back from the NFL, which isn't happening. Um, you or just Chris read Shevlin. my mind. You just read my mind. It's like, is he going to yeah. go the D Alford route here? I think he is. So I think the point is I can't this. even imagine. I think like, the point is this: they're pretty set, but but Grant yeah, Grant Grant would be the icing on the cake, and um, boy oh boy, I, I just uh, I hope I don't think they're going to rush him back. I think they, no, he'll be back when he's ready, right? As long as as long as you get first place, right? Because we've talked before about more than sixty percent of the teams that go to the Grey Cup since two thousand have been the number one seed, because you get the game at home and it's only one game and not two and. Only one game for weird things to happen. As long as you get that top seed, you know, it, it kind of doesn't matter who got you there, who's going to be there in the playoffs. And I think, uh, G-Mag, I think you and I are probably both on the side of, if Janarian did not play until the West Final at home in Winnipeg, we would be perfectly comfortable with him performing in that game, yes? Yes, sir, 100%. So anything in advance of that, to me, you, to me is just a bonus. Okay. So, yeah, fingers crossed. But, yeah, um... Toronto gives up Jamal Peters and we the Bombers put him at corner. But no, it's just there's they're so good. They're so good. There's just nowhere. Trevor Harris can come be the backup quarterback. I don't even know what like now I'm just saying stuff for the sake of stay, saying stuff. They're pitting the east side against the west side. It is already deafening at IG Field for the best game of the year. The Banjo Bowl. The Bombers with Sergio Castillo going right to left, kicking off. Saskatchewan with Mario Alford and Thomas Bertrand Houdon. Short kickoff. This one, Charbel DeBeer will have to field it at the 35-yard line. The defensive tackle to the 45, the 50, and Charbel DeBeer. How bad is the return? The coverage team for the Bombers. Defensive tackle takes the ball 20 yards on a return. There's a hole, 25. 20 pushing forward across the 20 yard line. Brady Oliveira slapping his helmet. He is into this one already with another first down. Liam Dobson has no helmet currently and his long hair flowing in the breeze. I wouldn't be surprised if that is what we're about to hear from Andre Prue. Major foul, unnecessary roughness. Saskatchewan number 91 from the 20 yard line, we're gonna go up the distance and a first down. Nick Dembski is the lone receiver out to the right hand side. Prukop under center, pushing left and in for the touchdown. The opening touchdown of the Banjo Bowl from Dakota Prukop. He'll take the hand up here on first down, waiting. Now exploding 55, 50, 45, tripped up 40, 35. Brady still running, tackled by Ford from behind Oliveira down to the 23 yard line. And a huge play. Bombers from the Riders' 17-yard line. Five-man rush. Kalaris has time now. Timer lap. Rafferty flips it to Oliveira. 15, 10, 5. Ducking his head. Oliveira for the touchdown. Typical Zach Kalaris under pressure magic. 
Oliver is back in the end zone, and the Riders, the Bombers, pardon me, are back on the board. Schoen motions from right to left, gets the waggle. He'll fake it to a couple guys. Klar's on a roll to his right. He's got a man open. It's caught by Lawler at the five, spinning, driving. Kenny Lawler for the touchdown. Oh, are they going to mark him down? He dove into the end zone. They're going to say his knee was down. Lawler diving. I don't know how he's not across. You're going to have to review that with Upon his entourage. Review by the command center. The ruling on the field is overturned to a touchdown. And it's a touchdown. Andre Prue saying the ruling on the field overturned. Kenny Lawler, a 24-yard touchdown. Winnipeg 20, Saskatchewan 3. Three-man rush. Kalars pumps, and he wants a deep ball for Schoen. Deontay Williams in coverage. Schoen got it. Spinning backwards to his left, and he's out of bounds at the 16-yard line. The rookie Williams had no idea what to do with that ball in the air. Kalars looking right. Out route caught on the goal line for the touchdown. Wiped out the official who gets up the signal touchdown for Dalton Schoen. First and 10 from the ride of 32. Fagan Oliveira. Kalars pops. Going to the end zone for Schoen who's open on Marshall for the touchdown. Dalton Schoen on Nick Marshall. Touchdown. Pamela Schaefer-Baker. Stearns will go into the backfield for a six-man rush. Dolagala pressure in his face in the flat. Oh. Bang! Reddick Cramby. Bang down Jamal Moro. Just past the 40-yard line. Brayden, if you would mark that for the hit of the game, that was solid, and it's third down, uh, Riders. If you love defensive receivers right, Kalars looking left. One-on-one. -on -one. Oh, he's open. Lawler's got it at the 30, 20, 10. Lawler oh. wrestled out of bounds. Beat Nick Marshall again. Just picking on Nick Marshall. And with 13 seconds left, the Bombers are at the eight-yard line. 13 seconds left, first and goal from the eight. Kalaris looking left. Who's going to get it? It's shown inside the five. Colton shown again. 41 and three touchdowns from Dalton shown. We didn't think there was enough time left for another, yet another possession to make it into the end zone, but when you're in the zone, when you're firing on all cylinders, everything is just going the way of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense. Cut back 30, 35, 40, 45, Brady 50 into Ryder territory across the 50 yard line. Brady Oliveira, they'll mark him at the 49 after a gain of 33, I believe. Brady Oliveira's lost his mind out here. He is channeling some of the best running backs I've ever seen in Canadian Football League. This is uh, it's incredible. And what a game it was. I don't know if you call that a ball game. Well, is it a landslide? The, the score, a, a natural disaster? The score in the second half was only 9-0 Bombers. Final score. 50, 1-6. I don't care what the cost is, Nick Dembski. Kalaus for Dembski, the five and a touchdown! Dylan Mitchell's gonna get one on Winston Rose. Going deep for Mitchell on Rose. Got it the 20 and he's gonna walk into the end zone. You know what I've learned about CFL fantasy football is that it makes me hate players. Kamar Jordan, I don't know anything about him, but I hate him now. All right, let's talk a little fantasy football, CFL fantasy. Oh, can you imagine the people have gone all in on Aaron Rodgers? 
the way they were <laughs> feeling last night. Was it was it his first snap or third snap? I, oh, something snapped, and I'm not trying to be callous or or insensitive here, but my goodness, I hadn't even turned on the on the game yet, and I'm getting this alert on my phone about Aaron Rodgers is out of the game. What are you talking about? Did he yeah. walk out on the team? Did uh, something happen with vaccination protocols? Like what's going? Oh my god! Like he's hurt. And he's probably done Achilles. for the season. Confirmed, done for the season. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah I, I had the same snap joke in mind because the AP story had after four snaps. I'm like, uh, don't you mean five, including the one of his Achilles? Eesh. But then I felt super bad about saying yeah, that to. Uh, yeah, we won't say that to one no one allowed. in particular. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. Okay, so um, looking at our fantasy league, I'm in uh, now. 365 f- place? No, 365th place. Where are you in our CJOB League DT? Well, I moved up this week, man. I had a good week. So I moved up. I am just clicking up 322nd. So yeah. I'm, I'm on your heels, brother. I'm coming for yeah. you. Uh, Doug Brown still kind of the cream of the crop in our group or D- what? He was 200 spots, more than 200 spots ahead of me. This past week, and if I search him up, I feel like uh, he's going to still be doing pretty well. That's, okay, he's having a great year in fantasy. Yeah, but uh, he's, not, he's not. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. He's not picking this teams. This is not well, him. I mean, he's got it. He's got a. He's got a ringer. He's got Zach somebody. Kolaris isn't picking who plays for the Bombers, but uh, all right, that's you know, fine. Fair. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's who the are the Zach Kolaris of fantasy? Doug Brown is. <laughs> so I went all in on Zach. I went. He was my captain last week. I went all in on Brady, and the only mistake I made was uh, was probably taking, if you can believe that, a mistake would be picking Kenny Lawler in uh, fantasy instead of Dalton Schoen. Uh, that you know mm-hmm. that three touchdowns versus one would have made probably made a little bit of a difference here. But I went heavy on bombers. I just had a a sense that wasn't a heart pick. That was like that. Yeah, be smart. The, the blue bombers are going to come out uh, all guns a blazing here. Uh, who was your secret weapon this week? Uh, well, I had Brady and Kenny, and my secret weapon was Devaris Daniels. It's, man, I am so I'm this season. I'm so bad at chasing what happened. You know, last week and the week before, I'm like, yes, I'm going to diversify and go Tavares Daniels and end up with eight points, even though they absolutely routed Montreal. I, I'm i at the point where I need to, in these final seven weeks or whatever, just start mega stacking teams and go, who, who's got it? Who's got the weak opponent and just start mega stacking because I need to. I, I went Trey Ford. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to chase Trey Ford. He's gonna, he'll get at least 100 yards rushing, if nothing else. Wah wah, like just not a fantasy performance of 14.2 points. It was, although I moved up in the standings, but that, that was mostly Brady and Kenny. And uh, it's just, I'm having a bad year in fantasy. It is, it is a real blow to the ego here. That's okay. That's why, that's what makes it so much fun is because you make all <laughs> the prognostications, all the predictions in the world at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of each and every week, and your chances of being absolutely correct are so minimal. Uh, there's a reason my dad always put it this way. It's why they call it gambling. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Cause there's no yeah. sure things in cards. There's no sure things in, in sport. Um, there are some things that are more sure things than others. And, but you, you know, to make any money on the sure things, you've got to parlay several of those sure things. And then that's typically where you get tripped up, right? DT. 
Yeah, it, it, it sure is. And you have to, but you have to try. If you're 300 spots behind, you have to try. And if you're tired of taking crap from Doug Brown every week that you totally deserve, you, you gotta, you gotta take some risks. And I'm gonna have to take some risks. So we're stacking up on Blue Bombers this week against Hamilton. Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Hamilton, Ottawa, BC is the slate. So, uh, B- BC at home off a bye. There may be a BC Lions stack. I, I start to investigate. Okay. Vernon Adams plus uh, see what the prices on Hollands are. Um, Edmonton, Sask. I probably sprinkle that one, but not stack. Um, Toronto Argos at Montreal. Toronto's laying some beats down on teams lately. That could be a it, good game, though. That could be a it, good game. There's the potential. But as long as it's high scoring, right? If it's a good game at 45-27, that's yeah. a, you know, you still got your your points for fantasy, right? But hmm. Will Winnipeg do it twice in a row? I I I'm so terrified of, of just picking the wrong team. It's I'm such a wimp this year. There's Did I tell you the story of the time I finished 45th in in the nation in fantasy? All those years ago, I'm still riding that pathetic high. But yeah, that's uh, BC at home is probably the play um, because Winnipeg's on the road, Toronto's on the road, but um, Toronto, Montreal, I, I like that better. Hamilton, I don't know if they hold their own in, in a shootout with the with the Bombers, or it ends up being kind of a one way. Guys have the fourth quarter off kind of thing that makes me want to avoid that. So yeah, th- those are kind of my very first level thoughts looking at the matchups this week. I probably avoid Edmonton, Saskatchewan entirely. Don't ever apologize for going all in on the 45th overall in the nation. You're talking to a guy who has cheered for the Winnipeg Jets since he was six years old. The World Hockey Association Jets, one of the best hockey teams of all time. But in the NHL, the first time around, two series wins in 17 years and the greatest moment in the history of my first NHL team was a double overtime goal in a series that the team ultimately blew a three games to one series lead. So don't ever apologize to me about (laughs) going deep on the things that make you proud, the things that make your heart sing, Derek Taylor. Uh, All right. Noted. Noted. DT, have a great call. Have a great trip to the Hammer. Hopefully it's uh, your first of uh, two visits to Hamilton in the next several weeks. If you know what I'm saying, wink, wink, say no more, say no more. Yeah, don't jinx anything, buddy. Don't don't jinx anything. I didn't say anything. I just said say no more, say no more, and here you are going on and on. So that's it. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share the Blue Bomber podcast. And also, in case you didn't already know, Monday night's Coaches Show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea will be automatically uploaded to the Blue Bomber podcast. So if you want to catch a rerun of that or catch it and listen to it at your leisure, you can do so by subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. We will recap this week's game next week and look ahead in the Canadian Football League, focusing on, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thank you for spending some time with us.